You're listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you'd like to know more about Hope Central or any of our ministries, please visit hopecentral.org.au. Fasting. I'm going to be preaching today on this title, Life in the Fasting Lane. Um, life in the Fasting Lane is the exact opposite of life in the fast lane. In life in the fast lane, all you want is more. You want more, more experiences, more possessions, more challenges, more achievements, more successes. You want more. It's about accumulating and it's about going forward and it's progressing. Life in the fast lane is purposely going with less is purposely having less in your life because you want something more. And that issue is, is this very idea that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, Jesus is the wisest person that you're ever going to hear from. The things that he says are precisely true, and they actually answer the need of your heart. They are not what you expect because you've been conditioned to the things of this world to expect that the good things of this world are the blessings that he's talking about. And he chooses words from his age that mean the same things in our age. He used this word for blessed, makarios. It means to be happy, to be fortunate, to be blessed. He's purposely choosing a word that's outside of Jewish experience. And he's talking about what the world thinks about how do you get favor the Greeks of this time used the word makarios for um, the, the gods. The gods are the blessed ones. The gods are the high ones. The gods are the ones who have all the privileges and all of the power. And then also those who the gods have chosen to bless. Those are the ones that are truly fortunate. And remember that ro- fortune was a Roman god. See, the people of this world, Jesus knows, are looking for blessing. But what is the definition of blessing? If you were to ask the average Australian who knew nothing about God, what does it mean to be blessed? What does it mean to be fortunate? You've had good fortune and good favor. What does it mean to you? I guarantee you it means something like health and wealth. People want to have physical ability. They want to have physical enjoyment, physical freedom, probably physical good looks too, uh, such as yourselves. Uh, They want to have intelligence and wisdom If you were to say, that person, he's really blessed, or she is really fortunate, what do you mean? It means that they've kind of of got an ease of life, you know? Things worked out for them in really good ways. You get to do what you want to do, and you have success. And or your children have it. There's a lot of people who who sacrifice all of their health and all of their wealth for the success of their children. There's this sense of, I achieved it if my child achieved it. And it's all about having more. It's all about the plurality of things. It's about gaining these things. And Jesus knows that this desire to be blessed is at the heart of every single human being. Blaise Pascal said this, all men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of someone going to war and of others avoiding it is the same desire in both. 
attended with different views. The will never takes the least step but to this object. This is the moment, this is the motive of every action and of every man, even to those who hang themselves. That's a brutal drop at the end, isn't it? You see, but that's the truth. He's saying that the search for happiness is the thing that drives us every day. It's what gets us up and gets us moving. It's what makes our choices for us, even to things that other people would seem devastating. The person who hangs themselves is because they think it'll make them happier than their current life. We make these brutal choices. So when Jesus says, blessed are, he's tuning into the very thing that gets you up every single day and decides your decisions before you knew you decided them. And so when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, he's revealing something that is absolutely true, but does not look like it. (laughs) The favor of God is on the spiritually desperate. And the favor of God is not on the rich, full, self-satisfied, successful, who live that they could do fine with little or no help from God. I want you to just think about that for a minute. Jesus stands in front of the crowd of his day, but also the entire world through his word and declares that the most blessed people are the people who are desperate for God. And when you're not desperate for God, you receive no blessing. But by blessing, he means happiness. And so we're going to take a journey to answer this question today. How do you show yourself and God that you are desperate for him? How would you demonstrate that? And I also ask in in two questions. How do you show yourself and how do you show God? Did you know that you need to know you're desperate for God? Did you know that you have to somehow give yourself that signal? You know, communication is not just with words. You know that? You know, you can't just wake up in the morning, look at the mirror and go, wow, you really need God. It's not just the words that you say. It's also the way that you say things in your life. Does your life say, God, I can't make it without you? How, did you, how would you say that if you were to say that? What kind of actions would go with that dialogue to make it sound more sincere? Because you can't say one thing and do another. It has to be true. And you're saying it to yourself as well as to God because I'm telling you today, you need to be convinced of this as much as God does. So we're going to take a journey through the summary that is the book of Deuteronomy. Not the whole book, but just chapter 8. Chapter 8 of the book of Deuteronomy, in case you don't know, Deuteronomy means the second reading, meaning the second reading of the law, where Moses summarizes the experiences of the people of Israel as they've left Egypt and have traveled through the wilderness for 40 years and are now on the verge of entering into the promised land. He re-summarizes the entire story for them, both repeating the law that he's given them, but also narrating their experiences along the way. So he says this to them in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 12. Lest, when you've eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, 
And when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will be lifted up and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Did you know this? That your heart is conditioned by your environment. Your heart is conditioned by your environment. Recently, um, uh, Jody and I, um, because, because we had our 50th anniversary, or 50th, 50th, 30th anniversary, and our 50th birthdays, we had them all in COVID, which was a party pooper, right? We couldn't do, we'd save for years, and we were going to have a very big European trip. We were going to go to, as I recount to you sadly, we were going to go to Greece, we were going to go to Italy, we were going to go to Denmark, where Jody's twin is the crown prince's wife. Well, she looks like Mary, anyway. We were hoping to get into the castle. We had this wonderful thing planned. But because all that got canceled, we decided we'd just pile all that money into one super fancy trip to Bali. All right. So we went, to, we went to Bali, and we had, because COVID had reduced the prices of so many things over there, and we booked in nice and early when they weren't sure anyone was going to come back, we ended up buying this luxury hotel. It is, it's the place that we used to visit and feel like paupers on the doorstep when we, would, when we would normally travel there. We would just kind of come to the restaurant and feel like a, a faker because everyone else had spent a lot of money to be there, and we were just there getting the scraps. Well... We were the guests. We stayed in absolute, I've got to say, thank you, Jesus, though it was bad for my soul, luxury. (laughs) It was fancy upon fancy. We had a butler. Thank you very much. We didn't utilize the butler because we had no idea. We just wanted to help her job go easier. (laughs) What can we do for you? How can we help your life get better? Uh, She's like, no, I'm here for you. I'm like, this isn't going to work out. Like we... We just didn't know what to do with luxury, but it's funny how being in that environment for eight days began to seep into my spirit. You know, instead of the first day of having the luxury afternoon tea with the very special delicacies and, oh, did we finish that afternoon tea? There's more for you for free. Thank you. Oh, more, more, more. But at first we're like, oh, this is all very special. Wow, look at us. Then eventually like, is that all you got? Is there more here? I had that already this week several times. Have we got something more fancy? Like we were just getting entitled. Do you know what I mean? And and as much as I resisted falling into those plush sheets every night and feel enveloped by this bed that I could never afford, I just felt different. And Moses is saying, guys, girls, we've been walking through a desert for 40 years, sleeping in tents. It was intense. We are all about to move into a land of promise and blessing and fruitfulness. We are out of the wilderness, into the promise, out of the tent, into a house someone else built, out of the desert, into the vineyard. 
it's going to hurt your spirit, not help it. Out here in the desert, we realize we can't live without God. When we go to the good thing, we're going to forget that we need him because our environment changes the condition of our hearts. So he warns them again, beware lest you say in your heart, my power and my and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. You see, we have this weird thinking that it's what we have came from our effort. It comes from our smartness, our talents, our efforts that we put in to make it that. And then we forget that every single day, every single breath, every single thing that we have came as a gift from God. And we don't remember it because we're surrounded by it. So, he says, God then is going to condition your heart and has conditioned your heart by the environment. And so he says this, Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord disciplines you. Do you, do you really believe that God has your best in his heart? Would you allow him to discipline you? That's a hard question to answer. You know how people always say suffering builds character? And then I see nobody choosing suffering. (laughs) There's no lineup at that stall. Oh, the suffering stall. I'll get some of that. No, no, we're all in the luxury comfort stall looking for products that make our lives feel better. But the Lord, because he loves you so much, is going to discipline you. Will you welcome that? Now, because remember, this is about environments, right? The environments and how they condition our hearts. So when we're sitting with it, great favor and great goodness and great wealth and great comfort, we begin to think it's about us. And we begin to take possession of it like it came from us. And unless we're in an environment where we are lower, where we have less, where we are struggling and suffering, unless we're in that environment, we don't learn that God loves us because it's actually in the pain and the trial and the suffering and then the getting through that we learn that God is actually in favor of us. Have you been through a trial in your life? I'm sure every hand would go up. Of course we've been through trials. We've all been through trials. Did you thank God for it during after (laughs) it's perspective right and it isn't interesting that not during but after when your heart had been conditioned you became thankful for the trial so he says this and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Now, here's the other thing that we forget about this this line, the whole way. We fragment our lives into individual experiences. Unfortunately, we don't remember our past. We 
we just think about the moment that we're in and the rest of it seems to evaporate. In fact, there's been studies done about this, about people who have been in experiments where they experience pain, for example, putting your arm into a bucket of freezing cold water. And at some point, that experience becomes highly painful. But if they gradually turn up the temperature of the water slowly, 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 before you take your hand out, you forget the pain that you've experienced and you remember it as not a bad experience. We don't recall things. Which is why, if you want to have a really great holiday, just have a really great experience at the beginning and a fantastic one at the end, and the middle doesn't matter. Because <laughs> you're going to forget it anyway. You can't just have super highlights, super highlights, super highlights, super highlights, because you won't remember any of the super highlights. Just go for the last super highlight and go, yay, what a great holiday. Because you just don't remember. Likewise, you don't remember the pain, 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 pain. You just remember the last final one. And so... Do you remember that even when things are at their worst, that God was also providing for you fantastically in your life over many generations and many centuries and many people and many moments? We oftentimes remember the one sad time and let it dictate our, our perspective of all of the rest but God has always been good. The same God who led them out of captivity across the dry riverbed, who with signs and wonders delivered them from an oppressive army was the same God who put them through the wilderness experience. But why did he do that? To humble them. Will you let God humble you? Because what humbles you also guides you to your need for God. And so Deuteronomy 8, verse 33 and 4, he says, And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man by lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out and your foot did not swell all of these 40 years. Wouldn't you love to have 40-year lasting clothing? Right? It's miraculous when it happens. Even more miraculous if it comes from Kmart. <laughs> but he let their food run out. He didn't let their clothes run out. Thank God for that. Because you don't want poor, starving, naked people. You just want poor, starving. <laughs> the naked is a little bit no good. No swollen feet because he wanted to keep them marching around in a circle for 40 years. Oh, isn't it God good? Now listen, in order to humble them, God pulled something out of their life so that they would learn that only God can give you what you need to live. God had to pull something out so that they could learn that they depend upon God. Is that love? Yes. So how do you show yourself and God that you're desperate for him? What do you pull out of your life so that you are seeking God. So that you are saying, this is the thing that I depend upon for life. And I'm going to go without it. Because I want to go with God. I want to go without this financial thing. This food thing. This experience thing. This social media thing. This thing that cur- piques my curiosity. Keeps me going. This thing that I depend upon. I'm going to go without that. Because I'm trying to send a message to my heart and to God that I need him. Because only he has got true life. That's what fasting is. Going without 
so that you get what God has instead. So when Jesus is fasting, he knows that his heart is conditioned by his environment. Matthew 4, verse 1 to 2, that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness in the same way as the people of Israel were, to be tempted by the devil, which is not something they got, and was after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, goodness sakes, he was hungry. Uh, Duh. And then the devil comes to him, the tempter comes and says to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And he answered, hey, it's written, man does not live by bread alone, dum-dum, but by, sorry, I'm parathes, you know, he was thinking it. Uh, <laughs> but every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's like I, the, the devil is, is so wrapped up in your earthly comfort that he actually believes in it, that that's what you really want. He actually thinks all you want is more fun now, more things now, more food now, more success now, more experiences now. The devil is that dumb that he thinks that that's what will really satisfy you. And he tries to sell that line on Jesus. And Jesus goes, duh, I just went without so I could get something better. Why would I end that? This is how I feed I want more of God. My friends, do you want more of God? See, Jesus is showing us how. How do you show yourself and God that you're desperate for him? You cut out for a time as a discipline, something you depend on for life. As a way of demonstrating to your heart and to God that you need him as your source. Years ago, I uh, was, a new, was a, a new Christian in the church I was in. Uh, the pastor's wife had a thing for song and dance. I say that as a way of introduction, the fact that the pastor's wife created a drama and singing group. So, because I was a young, gullible Christian and had no idea that I had no talent, I got involved. We learned to dance and sing and do a little preaching and Then she took us to different towns around the place and uh, we performed. Small audiences. (laughs) On this one particular trip, I drove my Austin Mini, my 1976 Mini Cooper S. Drove it uh, all the way to a nearby town called Kamloops, uh, not like the cereal. (laughs) And we did our thing and performed and it was a night service and after we were done a couple of the youth hopped in my car and we I started up my car and we drove back to Kelowna my hometown and it was about an hour and a half drive when I started up my car it was late at night so I needed to pull the choke when I was to get it to start because it was one of those old-fashioned things pulled a choke started it up and then I forgot that the choke was on and so my tank of petrol quickly emptied and I found myself at 11 o'clock at night driving with a very near-to-empty tank because I had choked my source off. And I'll tell you what, I had never prayed for help to get back home until I had choked out. Let me ask you this. What are you willing to choke off so that you only want to breathe God. I know we live in an abundant Western world where it's more and more and more. 
But what would you let go so that you would be highly tuned to your need for God? Because then comes the great breath of the Spirit, the great miracle of abundance. And for me, it was a semi-trailer. Because my year seven teacher had foolishly told me of a story about how one time when he was on a motorbike and running out of petrol, he knew that the back draft off a semi-truck trailer will pull you along because the wind will sweep off the back and it creates a curl around the back of the, the truck. And that curl of wind will push you along if you're light enough. And I thought, I'm an Austin Mini. And so I thought, I've got to get behind this semi-truck trailer. So I did, with my two victims in my car. I pulled in behind the semi-truck trailer, about that far from his back bumper, going 90 kilometers an hour, to get inside the back draft. And I popped it in neutral and hoped that it would pull me. And it did. And for 45 minutes, I just was like this. Because <laughs> I had no idea if something was coming. We were stopping, we were turning. I got no idea what's happening. Because I'm depending on this pull from the Spirit as He takes me where I need to go. Be careful if you're a teacher, the lessons you accidentally teach to your students. Because some of them are just clever enough to try them. I would love you, I would love you to do this in your life. I would love you to think about what you can restrict. The thing that you really think, that's your breath. That's how you live. So that you can breathe from the Spirit of God. Because that, that wind of the spirit is way more exciting, way more powerful, way more thrilling as you learn to survive every second of every minute of every day by his grace. And you're just swept, 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 swept along. What can you restrict so that it's God? So that you will know that it's God. So that it's not you for sure. And your heart would never lie to you and say that it was you. Because you know it wasn't you. It was God. Father, we pray that you would help us. Help us to answer that question. How do we demonstrate to ourselves and to you that we're desperately in need of you? How do we, how do we make an honest attempt at that? How do we... How do we really choose what's not foolishness and cutting off things that you want for us and really grabbing hold of those things that are kind of artificially inflating our sense of ourselves, making us more dedicated and devoted to them, more considerate of those things, really in a way relying on them? Lord, help us to be wisely attentive to you as you reveal to us what is it in our life that we could do without, that we depend on, 
And that's getting in the way of our dependence on you. How do we change our environment so that our hearts can new, learn a new lesson? Lord, a lot of us, we don't have any choices. There are trials. There are troubles. We didn't choose them. But we thank you, Lord, for the discipline of love that you gave us by giving us those hardships, teaching us that we need you, teaching us that we depend on you. But Lord, can we be like Jesus and purposely choose things? Purposely choose a discipline, a way of going without to show that we really always desperately need you. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Lord, we would much rather have the kingdom of heaven than the kingdoms of this world. So Lord, bless us, Lord, even now as we contemplate in song. And as we worship, Lord, help us, Lord, reveal to us how can we be more dependent upon you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.